We hope you enjoy this message and that it encourages and inspires you. For more information, head to lifepointwithanee.org.au. Well, good morning, church. I trust you're having a, a great day. Good morning to those online this morning. And uh, it's just lovely to be here. And uh, we'll be kind of wrapping up our series on prayer. And I have the privilege and the opportunity today to sort of bring kind of closure to, uh, to that wonderful series. I don't know whether you've enjoyed it, but uh, certainly us that have been preaching it have really enjoyed it and been able to round some wonderful corners in our own lives and, and just see God at work. And it was all out of the, um, the praying for revival and seeing God's hand at work. And there's just been a real buzz in our community and God is doing stuff and, and Ursi's having visions. And, you know, it's fantastic that uh, God is at work and uh, we're riding a real wave in His goodness at the moment. So, um, Bringing it kind of to conclusion today on the theme of prayer, I thought I'd come up with a topic of finding rest in these times. That sound good? I, uh, I try and keep a handle on what's happening globally in the world and I'm keenly interested and uh, my, my level of interest is growing over these last couple of years uh, uh, in, in terms of Jesus' return, in terms of the rapture, in terms of end times and what's going on and what's happening. And you know, the Bible says it could be a thousand years away or it could be tomorrow and we need to live accordingly to that. But uh, honestly, there is so much happening in the world that the Bible predicted happening right now, right now. Uh, I don't know whether you've been watching the news, but there's been some atrocities taking place. There's been some dreadful things uh, with our weather and our global situation. And uh, many have been watching about the fires burning all over our many continents around the world and floods at the same time. Uh, people experiencing incredible hardship. We've got the rumours of things going on with China and the West and uh, attitudes and, and uh, showing their might and their power in the oceans. Uh, at the moment, uh, giving kind of threats and uh, innuendo. And then you've got Pakistan at the moment, the dreadful stuff going on there and what we're gonna do about that. And you know, Australia pulled out, America pulled out. What are we gonna do for all those people getting slaughtered in that situation? And there's just a lot going on globally. And then bringing it home, you know, we, we don't know whether we're up or down or sideways at the moment with COVID, do we? And then throw in that, some of your own personal circumstances, there's a lot happening in our world. Do I hear an amen? And really, I think it's fair to say that we are living in unprecedented, unprecedented times. Unpre, what's the word? Thank you. The pastor's having trouble with his words this morning. And it's, uh, watching my boys grow up in this environment, it's just interesting to hear them talk and navigate their futures. And there's a lot of concern about what will their futures look like? What is the future gonna be? And so certainly there is a great deal of apprehension, concern, unsettledness in our community. And yet Jesus wants you today and in the future to know his rest. Would you like that? Would you like that this morning? Well, let me guide you this morning in, in the, with my limitations and my uh, our troubles along the way that we, that we will together journey and, and see what Jesus has to say to us this morning. Earlier in the week, I, um, I was at my wits end. Uh, my parents are aging at the moment. I've got a, a, a mum who's starting to 
forget things and uh, God bless her, she's a wonderful woman and uh, my mum and dad have been such godly people and led me for many years in the Lord and uh, dad has a thing called um, aphasia dementia and he can't talk anymore, he can't communicate, it's getting worse. Uh, they're 84, 85 and we're going through the process. They had a head-on car accident two weeks ago. They're both okay but we had to make the decision, mum, no more driving. Uh, and mum really loved that, didn't she? And so every phone call I get with mum, she's a bit ticked off with me that, you know, I've taken her keys off her, and, which I didn't, but that's how she feels. And, um, you know, we, we've got dad's health issues and then, you know, they're really not coping that well at home and then, uh, you know, we're foreseeing that they're going to be put in some sort of retirement village and, uh, and then uh, we had the retirement village ring up this week and say, oh, we have an opportunity, we have an opening for you. And they were so positive and so wonderful. Hmm. Well, mum and dad are just experiencing too much at the moment and they're just not real positive about moving out of their house. And we go, <laughs> And it's just been a, a really difficult time. And then I came to work on Monday morning. I thought, I hope I'm not preaching this week. <laughs> I've got so much on my plate, you know. And then I walked into Phil's office on Monday morning. He said, Lord, you write for Sunday? <laughs> I said, yeah, mate, I'm good. <sighs> and it's been a bit of a week like that. But, you know, God is so good. God is so good. Half the battle of preaching is, where do you want me to start, Lord? It's a big Bible, 66 books, you know? And God gave me a scripture straight there and then. How good's that? Isn't God good? In my limitations, He is strong. And you need to remember that. I need to remember that. And so I want to look this morning at Matthew chapter 11 and uh, that beautiful scripture that talks about, come to me all you who are weary and heavy laden and I will give you rest. We'll get to that in a moment. But I wanna talk a little bit about the context of that scripture before I dive into it. Uh, it all scripture is God breathed. All scripture is written for a purpose. Either there's a theme behind it or there's a particular meaning or a target that they're speaking to. And, and so the context here is quite obvious. Um, before Jesus uh, says these beautiful words before that happens he's given a, a woe to the nations or a woe to the cities and it's a really harsh word Jesus says woe to Capernaum and, and, and woe to the unrepentant cities if Jesus had performed all the miracles that he did in these cities in Sodom and Gomorrah they would have repented now that's a harsh word in the Old Testament, uh, Sodom and Gomorrah were, were the epitome of evil. It was a cesspool of iniquity. And God destroyed it in a moment with some sort of volcanic eruption and it was destroyed and wiped off the face of the earth for its wickedness. And Jesus is saying, if I did all the miracles that I've been wandering around the country doing to you, if I did it to Sodom and Gomorrah, they would have repented long ago. But you guys haven't. You've taken no notice of my miracles. You live in your unrepentant state and your wickedness. What a harsh word. What Jesus is saying is I came to you. I performed miracles. I demonstrated my awesome, miraculous power. I demonstrated to you that I was God in human flesh and that I was among you in this strategic time in the history of the world. You were so privileged and so blessed and yet you have ignored me. You have not noted who I am and you have not given me the honour that I deserve. So woe to you. We jump in after this scripture of come to me 
and we had that account where Jesus on a Sabbath, on a Sunday, is walking through the wheat fields. You could just get a picture of him and the disciples wandering through a beautiful, productive wheat field that is probably dried. It's uh, all brown and, and, the, and the wheat is heavy in the head, blowing in the breeze. And, and as it was customary, they would grab a few grains out of each head as they walked along and they would nibble on them, these fresh, beautiful grains of wheat and Jesus was doing this, nibbling on some wheat. And apparently that was illegal. To eat in such a way on the Sabbath was a atrocity. And so the Pharisees pull Jesus up and say, What are you doing this blasphemous thing on a Sabbath? And here we have another group of people that Jesus is scathing to him, saying, You have no idea. You have burdened the people so much with your laws and your craziness that no one knows which way's up. The theme here is what is an appropriate response to Jesus? We've seen the religious leaders of the day, their response to Jesus, they were nitpicking and beating him up and end up crucifying him. Never acknowledged him for who he was and never worshipped him at all. And we have the cities before that have given the opportunity that many nations have never ever had. And they wasted it. But Jesus knows that there will be some that will be faithful. And uses them as an example of what it means what it means to come to Jesus. And coming to Jesus, we've talked about this for months now, about prayer. Coming to Jesus in prayer, coming to Jesus in reality. Uh, every moment we think about responding to Jesus and, and having a relationship with him, it, it's, it's put here in this little passage. What does that look like for you and for me? So let me read those words to you. Verse 25 to 29. I let this soak into your heart today. Because Jesus is talking about you today. It's headed, the Father revealed in the Son. At that time, Jesus said, I praise you, Father, Lord of heaven and earth, because you have hidden these things from the wise and learned and revealed them to little children. Yes, Father, for this is what you were pleased to do. All things have been committed to me by my Father. No one knows the Son except the Father, and no one knows the Father except the Son and those to whom the Son chooses to reveal him. Now this morning, if you're here, God has revealed himself to you through Jesus. And these are the words, come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me. For I am gentle and humble in heart and you will find rest for your souls. Let's pray. Oh, Father, we are in awe of those beautiful words that you speak to us, your children. Lord, we know that there is a right way to come to you, unlike the cities and unlike the Pharisees. 
We want to put you front and center. And we want to worship you. We want to elevate your name, the King of kings and the Lord of lords. And we are your children today. Speak to us, we pray. In Jesus' name, amen. Through these precious little words, there's three things I just want to run you by today that Jesus asks us to do in response. What is the right response to Jesus? Well, firstly, he says, come to me. Oh, I love those words, come to me. And then it follows all you who are weary and burdened. Now, Jesus was just taking it as a given that people were living under incredible burdens. And the burden he's specifically talking about is the crushing religious demands of the people the day, the legalism that the people lived under. Uh, when Jesus was alive here on this world, uh, the 10 commandments that were given back at the beginning of the Old Testament had been um, brought to bear into 560 rules for living. There was a rule for everything. And apparently there was a rule against eating nibbles of grain on a Sunday. These rules were such a burden and such a curse, it says in Romans, on the people of the day that it was impossible. They were living by a law instead of living out of relationship. Now, we're gonna look at a little bit later about the yoke and um, there's a bit of a play on words about the yoke, but one of the meaning of the word yoke was, of the day, uh, it was a phrase that was used in terms of living in response to the laws that were set by the Pharisee. If you were obedient to them and endeavoring to live an honest life under the laws of the world or the laws of the religious leaders of the day, you, you were called, you are under the, the yoke of the law. You get it? You're under the yoke of the law. And so that's how people lived. But Jesus says, come to me. We've seen the cities that have rejected him, the Pharisees that were trying to lead the people and doing a really bad job. And Jesus says, I want you and I want you and I want you to come to me. Ashton, my youngest, and I have a very special relationship. And uh, we enjoy each other immensely. All my boys, we've had a wonderful relationship and I thank God for that. They're all very different and we share different things together. Uh, but Ashton and I share a very special uh, emotional connection, a very special and loving relationship. And uh, I really appreciate that. And love you, son, you're watching online. But... Every morning, most mornings, I wake, I wear a CPAP machine, it's ugly. It's not a pretty look in the morning. And uh, my waking moment is Ashton comes into my room, either in his school clothes, if he's done the chooks and done his jobs, he comes in and wraps his arms around me, 
tells me he loves me, and then sits on my bed and shares his day with me. That happens most mornings. That's rocket fuel. I love that. In fact, all my boys have been comfortable to give me a cuddle, a man hug, in public, and I love that. It's a wonderful connection that we share. But you know, what is happening there is that Ashton is coming to me. There's something special in that embrace of a morning and to tell me the things he's doing. See, to tell dad what he's going through and what's happening makes it real. If dad knows, it's okay. And there's an emotional drawing as my boy embraces me that I provide a strength for him. He comes to me. Oh, folks, that's what Jesus wants from you. He wants you to simply come to him that he may in turn embrace you, that he may be your emotional strength, that he may be your support and your guide, that he may be everything that you need right now amidst your circumstances. Come to me. Secondly, it says, take my yoke upon you. And as I said, there's a bit of a play on words here. And one idea is the, the yoke of the law, which was just killing people. And then the other imagery that we have of the yoke is uh, of the yoke of oxen. And uh, you've probably heard this many times. And just uh, simply there was uh, an old oxen at the head who'd been trained and knew what to do. And then you would enlist other young oxen and the, and the youngest would be on the outside. He'd be the guy that would be distracted with the crow over there and not really sure what to do and didn't really pull much weight and didn't really do much at that stage. But in 12 months' time, though, he could be a lead oxen because he's learnt from the team. Well, the imagery is, is that Jesus says, take my yoke upon you. Seems quite restrictive, doesn't it? It seems quite controlling. It seems like, oh, Lord, what do, you, what do you mean by that? Well, what he's saying is that, look, my yoke is actually easy and light to bear. So he gives us a heads up. There's not too much being asked of us here. But he said, nestle into my side, nestle into my side, just like Ashton comes and gives me a cuddle. Nestle into my side and, and, and I'll take the weight, I'll pull that plough, but I'm gonna teach you ever so slowly and learn over time and that you too can take some weight. Not too much, when you're ready, just the right amount. Sometimes it might feel more than you can handle, but I know what you can take. Come to me, all you are weary and heavy laden. Take my yoke upon you. Now, two things about this we learn that Jesus reveals of himself is firstly about his character. He says, for I am gentle and humble in heart. Oh, you know, God could be anything he wanted. He could be a schoolmaster. He could be a horrible God. He could be a ruling autocratic leader that destroys everything in his path. He could be anything that he wanted, but he's not. The word of God is filled with his expressions of love and tenderness towards his humanity and his creation. He does not treat us as our sins deserve. He relents from sending calamity. He is a good father that only disciplines when we need it. And he doesn't enjoy that process. He never likes inflicting pain. 
You see, Jesus is kind. He's kind to you. Secondly, we see something of his expectation. The expectation of the world is crushing. But Jesus' expectation is reasonable. It's reasonable. It's just enough. My burden is easy and my burden is light. So come to me, be yoked with me. And then thirdly, learn from me. Looks a bit like the yoke of oxen nestled in the side, learning from. You see, God is deeply desired about your life. He deeply desires to teach you and to prepare you. He's got great things in mind for you in this world and the world to come, believe it. Eternity is a long time and we're not gonna be floating around in petticoats and playing violins. We're gonna be busy in the kingdom of God, active in the work that he calls us to. And you are being prepared now through both the good times and the difficult times for what God has in store for you. Learn from me, he says, for I am gentle and humble in heart. What sort of teachers have you had over your life? I had two music teachers, and let me share just briefly about them. I loved watching people play the piano. My mum can play the piano. She could just about play any tune, and she plays all by ear. She can't read a note of music. And for some reason, I could, I could learn all about music, but I just could never get my head around all those little dots. I could not make sense of them. Meryl laughs. <laughs> a seasoned music player. So I have always got through with playing by ear. And um, I had a piano teacher when I was a young boy who was terribly frustrated with my desire to play by ear. She always wanted me to play by the notes. Well, look, this is what I did. I would ever so struggle, read the notes, get the tune, and once I got the tune, I'd look at the page, but look, I may as well be looking out the window. I was playing by ear. And Mrs. Cordes used to drive me up the wall. She would discipline me with the edge of a ruler over the knuckles. Whenever she suspected, and she knew, she was no fool, that I was gazing blindly at the page, she would smack me over the knuckles with the ruler. And it really hurt, you know, over the knuckles with the edge of a ruler. And I hated that. Well, I gotta say, I didn't last with the piano. I know that's a surprise to you. I didn't like Mrs. Cordes, and I just thought she was a Nazi. I didn't enjoy sitting under her teaching at all. However, I had an attempt to learn the guitar, really liked the guitar. And I had a teacher, Laurie Gear was his name. And see, Laurie had a different approach. He always played with me. So we would learn a piece together. I'd do the lead and he'd do the rhythm or reverse. And, and I remember doing my first performance with Laurie. I felt so proud. 
my teacher was up on stage with me at the local RSL and I played a couple of tunes, you know? One of those old fashioned kind of rock tunes and did a bit of lead and a little bit of strumming and I thought, man, I am Jimmy Barnes. I'm good. You see, Laurie was a good teacher. He showed me what to do by demonstration and then playing along with me. And he was so gentle. If I made a fluff of things and didn't do so well, he said, ah, mate, let's back up and we'll learn that again or send me back home with that page again and I'd learn it that week. And I loved turning up to Laurie because he made me feel 10 feet tall. He was a good teacher. I really enjoyed him. And he's just like Jesus. I found it like that I've made a mess of things a couple of times. And you know, God in his grace brings me round again to learn that lesson again. Sometimes it feels like I'm going round in a loop. <laughs> I keep blowing it. But God is so good. Learn from me. So Jesus says this morning, come to me, take my yoke upon you and learn from me. For I want to give you rest. Just in closing, last year I had the privilege of being with Alan Stewart, our dear elderly member here at the life of the church. A man that had achieved much in his life and a very capable fellow. And, and uh, he developed a twisted bowel and uh, the surgeon came to him and said, Alan, I could probably fix this. And Alan all the time said, no, no. I'm ready to meet Jesus. And it was kind of an opportunity for Alan to seize. He's ready to go. <laughs> He's sick of being at home. He's bored stiff. He wants to go to be with Jesus and this is his opportunity. And so I sat with him for an hour and a half with this young doctor. This young doctor's trying to convince Alan, I think we got this, we can, do, we can do okay here. And every time he suggested it, Alan said, no, I'm going home. My wife is there and I'm looking forward to seeing her. I'm ready for this. Well, I ministered to Alan through the week as the pain increased and his body went septic. It was a horrible ending. But he fought tough. He fought well. But you know what? Alan had a key. And I learned this earlier on, about a year before. We had a couple down at his place and he said to me, Lloyd, he said, I read Psalm 23 every night before I go to bed. I read that psalm and I ponder its thoughts and I drift into sleep in the rest of Jesus. It's like being in his arms and I wake up in the morning and go, oh, I'm here. It's either to be with Jesus or I wake up again on this earth. And he said, oh man, I get some good sleep. Though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I'll feel no evil. For your rod and your staff, they'll comfort me. They'll bring me through to green pastures beside a brook. And I was with Alan through that week. Although he was cringing at pain and struggling, I saw a man at rest, right to his last breath. He knew what it was to be in the arms of Jesus. And that's what Jesus wants for you folks, to know his rest this morning and to take on his yoke and to keep coming to him. Is that fair enough? Let's pray. Father God, we want to thank you that you offer us so much and we want to apologize that we take so little sometimes. 
But today, Lord Jesus, we just want to enter your rest. We want to know what it is to rest in you, to know your pleasure, your purposes, your peace. And Father, that you would give us that insight today, what it means to genuinely have a relationship with you. We are desperately in need of you. We express our need in you and our desire for you. And Lord, lead us and guide us in these things, in these troubled times, that we would know your rest. In Jesus' name.